Well, this is a, the end of a great week. Uh, I have the responsibility of giving the last message. Uh, I must say that I have thoroughly enjoyed the lessons from Proverbs and this morning the lesson from King, uh, from Kings. Uh, Larry and I have often uh, crossed paths. We've often shared uh, in various conferences together. And, and I, could, I could just put out sort of a, a testimony here that all of the brethren that I have the privilege of sharing uh, ministry of God's Word and gospel meetings and other things, you know, uh, they are great guys. They, they really are. And they're, they're, there's just no competition. Isn't this, everybody's got their own unique gifts, their own uh, way of expressing the Word of God, and, and that is uh, complementary one to the other. And it's uh, certainly been my privilege to be with Larry and Wanda on many occasions, and, and this one has certainly not been disappointing in any way. So pray for them as they travel now about, I don't know, we said about 11 hours or something. Uh, and you might remember us as well. We, uh, Lord willing, will rush off right after two. Don't uh, be offended in any way. We've got to get going. We've got to drive back to Sacramento, and we have to... Uh, turn in our rental car and catch a plane at 6 o'clock, and we'll fly to L.A. and uh, spend a little time in L.A. Then we'll fly to Detroit, spend a little time in Detroit, and then we'll fly to Marquette, Michigan, and probably not too much time there, and then we'll drive three hours uh, back home. So we should get home uh, Sunday afternoon sometime, uh, all being well, Lord willing. Uh, let, let me also say that uh, many of you have been so kind and so gracious to us uh, this week to invite us to your campsites or to your housekeeping or to your places where you've enjoyed the week and ask us to come and enjoy some meals and refreshments and fellowship. And we've not been able to do that um, uh, to, to everybody that asks us. So thank you very much for thinking of us. We've been well uh, cared for and taken care of. Our daughter, Joanne, our son-in-law, Jeremy, and their two children were here, and we took advantage of that. Uh, they live in San Diego. Uh, we live in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, so we took advantage of spending some time with them. Uh, I hope you were not offended in any way or didn't think that we didn't want to come. It's just you can only do so much in a week. And so, uh, again, for the conveners of the conference, uh, of the uh, the time here and for the opportunity to be here, it's it's been our delight. You've been kind, you've been gracious, uh, you've been uh, encouraging to us, and yes, some of you have been very challenging for us as well. Uh, thank you for listening because I don't always say the right thing, and I need to be corrected from time to time. And I've appreciated those thoughts, uh, instructions. A wise man receives instruction. And so thank you for those of you who have been bold enough or brave enough to say, Now, Brother Joe, about this. And uh, so uh, may we all learn. Iron sharpens iron. May we all learn something here this week. Our last message is going back to Hebrews chapter 12. Please turn there with me. Oh, oh by the way, just a show of hands. How many of you started or tried to learn Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. Did you just try? 
Great. Good. I'm not going to ask the next question. It's okay. <laughs> not going to embarrass anybody that far. Okay. Um, let me read it for you again. Uh, sometimes just the reading of God's Word publicly just helps you. You you read it yourself, and you don't seem to get too much. Somebody stands up and reads it, and you go, my goodness, look at that, you know. So let me just read it for you again. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. We looked this week at the way. We looked at the weights. We looked at the wickedness. And we looked at the... Uh, we didn't look at the, the weariness, but we'd like to look at the weariness, but we don't have time to look at the weariness. But we looked uh, at, at various aspects of, of the race for which I suppose we all can identify in some way. However, this morning we got to fast forward, and we've got to go ahead because we've got to look at the winner this morning. This is the one who's already blazed the trail. This is the one whose race took him from the right hand of the majesty on high, who came down to earth, did the work of God, and has now ascended back into heaven. His trip was a round trip, wasn't it? But he's not going to stay forever at the right hand of the throne of God. For the next loud voice that we hear is going to be that shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the Lord Jesus will come, and by the grace of God, we will go. Uh, I would like to just say this thought before I get into my message this morning, and that is this, that if the, if the weights and the wickedness, that is, if the weights and the sins do not hinder you, perhaps the weariness will. Sometimes you just get weary in well-doing. Sometimes you just get tired in the race. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, well, the tendency will be to slow down, give up, get discouraged. Well, dear folks, listen, try not to give up. You know, a man reaps what he sows. And the Bible is very clear that if we continue on, we shall reap. That if we continue on, that day is coming. If you continue on, listen, the hymn writer put it like this, It will be worth it all <laughs> when we see Jesus. Now, <clears throat> our last message is going to be beginning in verse number 2 this morning. Looking unto Jesus. Uh, it's taken us all week to get here, but I'm so happy that we're here because here is the motivation for the race. 
There's a story told about uh, a little country school, and every year they had a cross-country race. And everybody in the school could run. It didn't matter how old you were or how big you were. Everybody could run. And so there was just a little boy, wasn't very old, and he wanted to run in that race. And what motivated him to run in that race was every year they gave a huge, big trophy to the winner of this race. And they kept that trophy sort of in the entranceway, in the hallway of that little country school. And it sat on a table, and it sat there all year. And the winner of the race every year got his name on that trophy. And that little boy would look at that trophy, this big trophy, every day that he'd go to school. And so finally he said, you know, I'm going to enter into that race. I want to win that trophy. And so he went to the coach, and he said to the coach, he said, um, uh, would you help me prepare for this race? And he said, I sure will. So that coach worked with that little boy. And uh, day after day and week after week, he trained and he trained and he trained. And the day came. And uh, so there they are, dozens and dozens and dozens of them lined up on the, on the starting line. And the pistol fired and off they went. And here's this little guy, not very big at all. They're big guys in the race. And in this cross-country race, it went... You know, started off in a big meadow, then it went down through the woods, and then it crossed a, a, a field, and then a, a creek, and then a cornfield, and then back around, and then through the woods. In the last part of the race, after uh, quite a ways, it came back into this open field. So the starting line and the finish line were the same. On this side, it said start, and on this side, it said finish. So the pistol went, and off they went. And this little guy, was all he had in his mind was, I'm going to get that trophy today. I am going to get that trophy. And so he ran and he ran and through the woods and crossed the creek and his feet are wet. And he goes through the field and he gets mud on his feet and he's in the cornfield and, he, and, and, and he's really doing his best, but he, he, he's, not, he's not winning yet. Matter of fact, he's falling behind a bit and others are getting in front of him. But as he broke through that wooded area and into that big field, he looked at the other end of that field and he saw the, the, he saw the sign, finish line. But that, that wasn't what was motivating him. Behind the finish line, on a table, was the trophy. Well, he just fixed his gaze on that trophy. And if he thought he was running good before... <laughs> Man, he picked up the pace. He didn't care who was on the left. He didn't care who was on the right. All he did was just focus on that trophy. And the closer he got to that trophy, the faster he started running. He was out of breath. He was tired. He had no strength. He had no energy. But he's running faster and faster and faster. And he didn't care about He didn't even see anybody else. And just before he got to that trophy, just before he finished that, uh, crossed that finish line, a figure, a, a man came in between him and the trophy. It was a coach. It was a guy that had worked with him. And, and, and the coach is going like this, You can do it, son! Run! 
Run, you can do it. Run, run. Come on. Oh, it's a little, little further. A little further. You can do it. Run, run, run. And if he thought he was going fast before, he's picking it up again. I mean, he's giving it everything he's got right at the very end. And as he crossed that finish line, he was absolutely, completely exhausted. And he fell into the arms of the coach. And the coach picked him up and he said, You did it! You did it! You did it! As though he had won. When dozens had crossed the finish line before him. But he ran well. He didn't give up. He ran well. That's what you want, isn't it? You won't be the first one to cross the finish line. And you won't be the last. Don't you want to want, don't you want to run well? Don't you want one day to just give it all you got at the end and fall into the arms of the coach? And the coach pick you up and say, you did it. You did it. You ran well. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what this race is all about. Looking to Jesus. I played uh, I played little league ball when I was when I was a kid in down in North Mississippi. I was a pitcher. I want you to know I had a fastball, probably about thirteen miles an hour, you know, something like that. But I was a pitcher on my team, and I want you to know that I pitched a no hitter and a shutout against the whole Tophy Wildcats. They were barefooted, too. We had shoes, you know. But when I warmed up for that last game, and this was the big game, my coach got behind the plate, and this is all he said to me. He said, watch the mitt. Son, don't worry about anything else. He said, look at the mitt. So I'm winding up. I'm looking at the mitt. Hit the mitt. Put the mitt over here. Hit the mitt. Put the mitt over here. Hit the mitt. Matter of fact, I got so consumed with that whole thing, all I could see was the mitt. That mitt looked that big. looked big as that umbrella. You couldn't miss it. And that was a great game. I will never forget that game. I was probably maybe, I don't know, 13 years old. I'm not sure. But this is what the Scriptures is talking to us about. Looking to Jesus. Everything else fades into nothingness. Our, our, our gaze focuses on Him. You, you draw away from everything else. You focus on the Lord Jesus. You say, how do you do that in His Word? I can't see Him physically. I focus on, it, on Him in His Word. He gives me direction. He gives me help. He gives me strength. He meets my needs. He gives me wisdom. Larry's been talking to us about that. All of that comes from Him as I what? As I look to Him. Look to Him in dependence. Look to Him for encouragement. Look to Him for help. He gives me all of that in the race. Looking unto Jesus. Hmm. He, he, he's the first and the last. We'd say it down south, He started the whole thing and He'll finish it. 
He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't tell us to look to ourselves. He didn't tell us to look around. He didn't tell us to look for our own strength or our own success or our religion or our ceremony. He said, look to Him. Remember the other night we talked about it? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come where? To me. What does He tell us here? Looking to Jesus. Look to Jesus for salvation. Look to Jesus for sanctification. Look to Jesus for service. Look to Him. Doesn't Isaiah remind us of that? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The, the Scriptures are clear that when we exchange our strength for His strength, then we have strength to run the race unto Jesus. Now, notice, looking unto Jesus, we got more in our story, who for the joy that was set before Him. Joy that was set before Him. Folks, you've got to get the big picture here. You've got to get the big picture. Let's go back to John chapter 13 and look at the big picture. John's Gospel and chapter 13. I'm just going to read a few verses. matter of fact, three verses. You remember John chapter 13 is taking place the night before the Lord Jesus was crucified. This is the night of the Last Supper, so-called. This is when he meets with his own. This is when he washes his disciples' feet. Listen, all that happened, it was literal, it was physical, and that's the way it happened. There are great applications to this. Let me show you some of the applications to it. Notice in verse number 4. Verse number 4. The Lord Jesus rises from supper, that's with his disciples, and laid aside his garments and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. That's exactly what happened. It happened physically. He did that to his disciples. Watch the picture. I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to show you a spiritual picture nestled in with the physical and the literal. Watch it in number 4. He, the Lord Jesus, rises from supper. What supper represent? Fellowship. If any man hear my voice, he says, I will come into him and sup with him. I'll have fellowship with him. We'll get to know one another. Uh, In our picture, watch this. He rises from supper. He rises from the unbroken fellowship with the Father in heaven. The communion that he's had for eternity past in time. He rises from supper. What does he do? He lays aside his garments. Oh, he never ceased to be God. But he clothed himself in flesh. He lays aside the garments of glory and he takes a towel. That's the servant's dress. And he girds himself. And in verse 5, he does the servant's work. Are you getting the picture? The Lord Jesus steps out of heaven... He comes down as a man, robed in flesh, the Godhead see, lays aside the glories and the prerogatives of glory, 
uh, submits himself completely to the Father's will, dresses himself with a towel, and that is, with flesh, and he does the servant's work. For he said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. The servant king has come. He pours water into a basin. He washes the disciples' feet. The story doesn't end there. The picture doesn't end there. Look in verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet, in other words, in our picture, after he has finished the work, notice, and had taken his garments. The Lord Jesus now in a glorified state taking back on the garments of glory, notice, and was set down again. Where did he come from? Heaven. Where is he going back to? Heaven. We're looking in three verses at a picture of the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Left heaven's throne, came down as a man, uh, as a servant, did the servant's work, completed the work, uh, took his garments of glory again, ascended back into heaven, and is set down again at the right hand of the throne on high. The question is this, do you know what I've done to you? Beyond the physical, beyond the literal, beyond the example, the complete work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can begin to understand something. Who for the joy that was set before Him. The joy of what? Job well done. Satisfaction of completing the will of God. The joy of becoming the, the substitute for sin for all of humanity. The joy of finishing it all. The joy of running the race. The joy of, of crossing the finish line. The joy that was His to do the Father's will. He knew what He was doing, and He did it completely. But now notice, not only that, we're back in Hebrews. It said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured. He had to. It would have been one thing if the Lord Jesus said, Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go down. I'll be born as a babe in Bethlehem. I'll grow up, and when I'm 12 years old, I'll come back home. I'll come back to heaven. It would have been one thing if he said, no, you know, I'll go down there, I'll be born as a babe in Bethlehem, I'll grow up, uh, and when I'm 12, I'll go to the temple, and uh, I'll, I'll hang around for a few years, but uh, then I'm coming home. You know the story, and I don't have time to take you through every event in time. He went on to be baptized. He went on to be tempted. He went on to show us God. He went on to heal the the blind, and raise the dead, and, and to show the miraculous power. He went on to where? Calvary. And as he walked the hill to Calvary, remember something, he could have called 10,000 angels. But he endured the cross. The Lord Jesus went all the way. Nothing would deter him. Nothing would stop him. Who for the joy of finishing the work endured the cross. But listen, the story doesn't stop there. Watch this. Endured the cross, notice, despising the shame. Uh, folks, the word despise, you know what that means. It means to belittle. Uh, to think nothing of. 
to disregard. Watch what your Bible is saying. He thought nothing of the shame, the disgrace, the mocking, the derobing, the beatings. You know, Isaiah 52 and what is it, 14 or something like that says, His visage was marred more than any man. Think about that. It, it could not mean that at Calvary, nobody had ever been beaten that much. It, it could not mean that what he looked like was worse than anybody else ever looked. It could not mean that, I don't think. Even though it was horrible what happened to him physically. But listen to this. His visage was marred more than any human being. Because there was never a human being like him. He is the God-man. It would be something for any man to be marred at any time and their visage to be marred. But think of the perfect, spotless, holy, sinless Son of God being marred. He was marred more than any man because He was perfect in the beginning. And it was the very God of the universe in the form of His Son, the Lord Jesus, that was marred. But now watch it. Despising, belittling. Do you know where we get the word shame from? You ever look that word up? It, ha it has many variations of meaning from the Greek word. But now listen to this particular meaning. The Greek word can mean this. It comes from a word that means disfigurement or disgrace. <clears throat> Several years ago, uh, my, my mom and dad were going to meet me down in Tennessee at a conference called Skyland Conference. They were coming up from Mississippi. We were coming down from Canada Two days before the conference, my dad had an accident. He was out in the uh, out out in the carport, and as he was walking along, there was an extension cord that should have been rolled up, and it wasn't. It was laying, and he tripped over the extension cord, and and he fell forward. And as he fell forward, he put out his hands to, you know, break his fall. But unfortunately for Dad, the car was parked there, and his nose and face area right here hit the bumper where the license plate was attached to the car before his hands could brace him. Full force, just like that, right here. He cracked his skull. He shattered his nose. His left eye and cheek caved in. They were crushed. He was rushed to Memphis, Tennessee, and, and they performed an emergency operation to piece all that back together. They took a picture of him before the operation, and my sister sent me the picture. You know what I said? That's not my dad. That's not my dad. You got the wrong guy. You could not recognize him. Wouldn't it... 
be possible that John might have said, which one's Jesus? <laughs> is, is that Jesus? Just, just from his looks, visage, marred more than any man, the horrible suffering, the physical disfigurement. You know what the Lord Jesus says about that? Listen, we just read it. Despising the shame. Listen, it goes like this. The Lord Jesus would say, well, it's okay. It's all. In light of what I'm doing, I don't even count that worthy to be considered. That's nothing. I belittle it. I despise it. I count it worth, not even worthy of my consideration. I'm doing it for you, don't you see? It's okay. Despising the shame. And then don't we read these words? Consider Him. <laughs> Consider Him. Think it. Think it over and over and over. Ponder it. Consider it. Compare Him with everything else imaginable. And He always comes out on top. Muse in the wonder of the person, the most beautiful person in the universe became so marred for you. <laughs> Folks, you know, the, the, the story doesn't stop there either, does it? We understand that what we could see was horrible, but what we couldn't see was even more horrible. You see, God allowed us to see, that is, even those that were witnesses that day, and now through us through Scripture can see, but God pulled the curtain, didn't He? And He said, you can see what man has done to him, but you're not going to see what I've done to him. And under that cover of darkness, for those three hours, the Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty of an eternal punishment in hell for you and I. And I don't know how that went. But I know from the depths of his being, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every other time in the Lord's life, there's help, isn't it? I mean, even in the garden, God sends angels to comfort him. But there's no angels and there's no help. And in the cover of darkness, he alone with, the, with his God is judge. The one who knew no sin becomes sin for us. And if you ever think you'd get away with sin, God forever settled it, didn't He? Because if He wouldn't withhold judgment from His own Son, He'll never withhold it from you. And God unsheathed the sword of His wrath on His own Son that day. Looking unto Jesus, the beginner and the ender. You stick with Him, you'll get through. Two little girls were talking. One says, how do you know you're saved? She said, well, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Yeah, but how do you know you're saved? She said, because I'm holding on to His hand, and He's going to take me all the way to heaven. The other little girl said, hmm, the devil will come along and cut your hand off. Then what are you going to do? Mm, she said, I didn't have that right. She said, Jesus is holding on to me, and the devil can't cut his hand off. You stick with Him, He sticks with you. You know that. Looking unto Jesus. Why? Who for the joy, the, the uh, job well done, He's finished the course, He's kept the faith, He's, he's made it, He's blazed the trail, He's left heaven, He's come to earth, He's done the work, He's gone back. Folks, He's waiting on us. The race. 
ends when He comes or when we go. Several years ago, a uh, a guy said to me, "I think you'd like this. I think you'd like this message." Uh, people give me stuff all the time. I'm not much of a reader. I'm not much of a listener to all these things, and I don't know. It got lost, and months later, it surfaced in my truck. I was driving somewhere, put the thing in. It's about a lady who ran the race to the end. And as best I can remember it, I'm going to tell you the story in closing today. The, the, the son in the family, it was a Christian family, he had a sister, mom and dad. Uh, the son told the story and he said, I remember the day that my mother collapsed in the kitchen and polio was the reason. She didn't know she had it. The, the ambulance came and, and took her away. He said, I didn't know that it would be two years before I'd see my mother again. We, we went to a sanatorium, he said. She was in an iron lung. And they brought her out, and uh, she couldn't even move her head. And they had to turn the whole thing around. And through the glass, we saw our mom for the first time. He said, I didn't know it would be another year before she came home. But the day that she came home, my dad and my sister and myself, uh, uh, we cleaned up. We took two baths. <laughs> we wanted to be so clean and everything. One mom came and said they brought her home in a wheelchair strapped in. And, and by now she can move her head and she can talk. And we had a special room for mom to come back to. We had built it for her. Mom was a concert pianist in the, in the local church. She played the piano in the church, and we were a Christian family. And so Dad says, uh, look, uh, before we take Mom to her room, she hasn't been here for family devotions for a long time, so we're going to have family devotions. And so the mom said, well, uh, after we have family devotions, I want you to pray that God would give me a ministry. Davy, the son, said, Mom, you're never going to play the piano again. It's just you can't, you're not going to be able to do that. She said, I know that, Davy. I know that, but God has a ministry for me. She said, I don't want to give up. And so they prayed that God would give a ministry. Time passes. I don't know, this is a long time. This whole thing is stretched out. And some weeks or months later, a visiting preacher comes by. He read the Scriptures. He was about to pray. And she said, Would you pray for me that God would give me a ministry? Her name was Mrs. Gibbs. No reference to the Gibbs that we might know as far as I know. But nevertheless, he, nevertheless, he, he said, Mrs. Gibbs, you might as well face the facts. God's through with you. You, you don't have a ministry. Davy said, I wanted to hit him. Like, <laughs> Even if it was true, what right did he have to say that to my mother? Nevertheless, time passes again, and an old couple comes. And they had been trying to get a Sunday school going in sort of a inner city place. They had an old warehouse somewhere, and uh, just a few, hardly any kids were coming, and and they said, uh, they said, as they visited, we're looking for somebody to take over this Sunday school work. And Mrs. Gibbs says, I'd be happy to take that over. I've been praying that God would give me a ministry. And Davy said, Mom, you can't do that. 
You can't take over that. He said, Mom, they're old and no kids even coming. We can't, you can't do that. He said, they just want to get away from it. They're trying to get out of it. Mom, you can't, you can't do it. He said, Davy, I've been praying and God wants me to have this ministry. We're going to take this ministry. So the next Sunday, they got her in her wheelchair. All week, she's been practicing her Sunday school lesson in her room in front of the mirror. And she's got it all prepared, and they go to this sort of inner city warehouse kind of a thing. They wait, nobody come, nobody come. Not one child came. David said, Mom, look, I told you, you know, they just want to get rid of it. This, this is over. This is done. We, we just got, David, we're going to have Sunday school. Mom, we can't have Sunday school. We don't have any students. Yes, yes, we are. You and your sister, you sit right here. <laughs> Said, we heard the lesson she practiced every day, you know. Time went on, nobody came. Finally, one day, Mrs. Gibbs said, Davy, I, 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 God has spoke to me. I know why we don't have Sunday school. Said, because they don't have a way to get here. We need a bus. And uh, I want you to get the car ready, and tomorrow I want you to take me down to the big bus station downtown, and I'm going to ask them if they'll give us a bus for our Sunday school. He said, Mom, that's just a commercial bus line down there. They don't give away bus. They don't do that, Mom. They don't give away buses. She said, you just get the car ready. So the next day, Davy and his mom get in the car. They drive down. It's a big complex down. They can't even find a place to park. They have to get in the back where the buses are. And sort of a big wall back there and can't even hardly get her out of the car. Finally, they get her in the wheelchair. They get her up to the, to the receptionist and the receptionist says, can I help you? And she said, well, thank you very much. You can. She said, I've uh, come here today to ask for a bus for our Sunday school. We have kids that can't get to our Sunday school and we need a bus. She said, well, I'm just a receptionist, of course, but she said, you know, uh, uh, the vice president is here this morning, uh, would you like to talk to him? And she said, well, thank you very much, I would. So in a few minutes, the vice president of the company comes down and says, yes, could I help you? And she said, well, uh, we got this Sunday school, and the kids can't get there, and we need a bus. She said, I was wondering, could you, could you give us a bus for our Sunday school? He said, lady, uh, this is a business here. We're a commercial bus line. We don't do charitable things like that. We don't give away buses. And David said, Mom, I told you they're not going to give you any buses here. Like, let's just go. He's embarrassed, of course, over the whole thing. She said, well, um, uh, he said, maybe if you could get some money together, we could maybe negotiate and maybe we could sell you a bus, but we can't give buses away. She said, you can't give me a bus? He said, no, I can't give you a bus. She said, well, could I just ask you one question before I leave? He said, sure, what is it? She said, do you own those buses out there? He said, well, I'm the vice president of the company. She said, well, I realize that. Are they your buses? He said, well, I guess technically they're not really my buses. She said, well, you couldn't give me a bus. They're not your buses. Could I speak to the person that owns the buses, she said. He said, lady, you're incredible. said, the president's in his office, but I, I don't think that he'll come down. In a few minutes, the president comes down. Before she had a chance to say anything, he said, lady, you're absolutely incredible. He said, I saw you. You parked under my office window in the back. 
I saw you and all the difficulty you had just getting out of the car. And he said, I don't know why you're here, but it must be awful important. What could I do for you today? He said, she said, well, thank you very much. Uh, she said, I, I need a bus for our Sunday school class, and I've asked you if you would, would give us a bus so that Sunday school kids could come and hear about the Lord Jesus. He said, oh, he said, you know, we don't give buses away here. Uh, we're not a charitable organization, and uh, this is a business, and that's a very uh, honorable thing you're asking, but it just would be impossible. We just can't give a bus away. We don't give buses away. She said, you can't give me a bus so that boys and girls could come and hear about the Lord Jesus and be saved so that they could go to heaven with Him forever? You can't give me a bus for that? He said, lady, I'm sorry. She said, uh, or he said to her, I... I, 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 I'd like to do something, but I, I can't give you a bus. She said, you can't give me a bus. He said, no, I can't give you a bus. She said, you better hope God doesn't hear about this. He said, what are you talking about? You better hope God doesn't hear that you won't give us a bus so boys and girls can come and hear about the Lord Jesus and be saved. You better hear that God, you better hope that God doesn't hear about that. He said, if I gave you a bus, who would drive it, you? She said, I didn't think about that. I'm going to need a driver, too, she said. <laughs> he said, you're absolutely incredible. He said, listen, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one bus, and I'm going to give you one driver for one Sunday. She said, we got a problem. He said, what could that be? She said, you know, when I prayed about this, there are actually two areas in the city that we need to go to. And she said, God told me to ask for two buses, but I didn't have the nerve. <laughs> she said, I'm going to need two buses and two drivers. He said, I can't believe I'm doing this, but he said, I'm going to give you two buses and two drivers for one Sunday, and you better be sure that God hears about this, <laughs> he said. So David finish the story by saying, and that's the way it happened, you know. We had two buses and two drivers for the first Sunday. Because the next Sunday, we had three buses and three drivers. And the next Sunday, we had four buses and four drivers. And the next 20 years, we had 30 buses and 30 drivers and 5,000 children in Sunday school because a woman who couldn't feed herself would not get out of the race. She believed God had a ministry for her. Davy said, Mom would say, Davy, push me out in the parking lot. She'd knock on the door of that bus. The driver would open the door. He's waiting in the parking lot. She said, Now you put out your cigarette and you come in because 
Jesus is going to change your life today. Many of those drivers got saved. You might know the man that owned the company. He got saved. His children went to that Sunday school. Uh, Folks, listen. This is a true story. This is not fiction. It happened down in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Many, many years ago, probably around the turn of the century. Because she would not give up. Listen, my final message to you is you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus and you don't give up. You don't quit. You fall down, you get up. You get hurt, you get up. You look unto Him, the author and finisher of your faith. He started the whole thing. He's going to carry you through. He's going to finish the whole thing. And one day, you're going to fall into His arms. You. Little you and little me. And by the grace of God, He's going to say, You did it, you know. You did it. You see, He does everything for us. We can't save us, so He saves us. We can't keep ourselves, so He keeps us. We don't know what to do, so He gives us His Word. We don't know how to read it, so He gives us His Spirit. We don't have the strength to do it, so He gives us the strength. He does it all, and at the end, He rewards us for it. Folks, you can't get it any better than that. All glory to God. All praise to our Savior. Think about it. Think think about what you and I could do. Think of the resources we have. Think of the capabilities that we have. Think of the assembly that you're in. What could we do if we wouldn't give up? How could we continue to run this race without Him? We can't. Why don't you stop trying? Why don't you just surrender? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just say, I don't want to live like this anymore? Why don't you just say, I'm in? This is where I want to be, in the race, running for Him, carried by Him when I can't go any further, borne along by His Spirit. We don't, you know, we don't really look at the trophy or the rewards, do we? We just fix our eyes on the coach. (laughs) And the more you look at Him, the more beautiful He gets. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. May God be with you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for just the grace of God that finds us where we are. Father, please don't leave us to ourselves. We're at best unfaithful servants. Help us. Encourage us. Convict us. Reprove us. Rebuke us, but, oh God, don't leave us. Work with us. And through it all, may we receive the blessing and return it to God by the sacrifice of the fruit of our lips. All praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ. In His worthy name, amen.